Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Teach Me to Talk with Laura and Friends. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech language pathologist from teachmetotalk.com and myeid2.com. And let me start with an announcement. We are changing the format for the show. We're moving to more of an interview-type show with lots lots of special guests. And because of that, Kate's no longer going to be a part of the program, but I want to thank her one last time for all of her contributions to the show over the last four and five, uh, four to five, four and a half, whatever it's been, years. Uh, and let's talk a little bit about our upcoming guest. I want to know who you want to hear me talk to. And so send me your ideas. It can be anybody. Uh, well, not anybody. It can be limited to people that are in the field of early childhood development or Pathology. I don't think I'm going to be able to get Oprah or Beyonce or anything like that, so we, we should say let's keep it limited to our field. Uh, let me tell you about who's coming up in the next couple of weeks. I have Jennifer Hatfield, who's a speech pathologist who specializes in treating feeding difficulties, and she's going to be on, in, again, like I said, in two weeks and talk to us about food chaining and that whole process that we use to get our picky eaters and our selective eaters to uh, expand their diets. And I'm still going to be able to take your questions. I'd still love to have lots of callers for that, but I I do so much better when I know what you're going to ask, and the show goes more smoothly. So send me those emails at laura at teachmetotalk.com, and we'll get you scheduled for the show. So let's back up. And talk about today's show. I'm so excited about today's guest. It's actually another friend of mine, someone I've known for 11 years, a great developmental interventionist, Kelly Coughlin. How are you, Kelly? I'm doing great, Laura. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited about you being here today, and I'm so happy that you are going to be a contributor for myei2.com. But first, I'm going to share how we met 11 years ago. Can you believe it's been that long? I know. I really can't. <laughs> Do you remember how we met? I'm going to tell the story. I don't know. I should have, I should have probably not surprised you with this. No, that's okay. Um, I can't remember how we actually, I think my step, wasn't somebody getting their hair done? And I don't know. I was, like somehow I we connected. My hair done. I was getting my yeah. hair done at your parents, your stepdad and your mom's great salon. It's Hello Gorgeous, which I still think is the very best name for a hair salon ever. Oh. And so I was in there and getting my hair done. And they, of course, you know, everybody knows what you do at your hair place. I think everybody tells their deepest, darkest secrets while you're in there. And so I was Or your parents to tell yours to their clients. <laughs> I bet that was fun growing up, huh? Yeah. (laughs) But I was in there and talking about that I was getting ready to open a brand-new playgroup program and that I was looking for people with those credentials, early childhood teachers and early educators, but I was sharing with them that I didn't really want to use anybody that I already knew and I didn't really want to use anybody that had already worked in First Steps because I wanted it to be a brand-new program, totally clean slate 
so that people could come in with no preconceived opinions and we could just have a real language-based program, which at that time in Louisville was not going on. And so David said, hey, I think I know somebody who could do that. And so he started talking to Debbie. And I think she called you while I was there. I don't know if you remember this or not. And I don't remember kind of this said, part. <laughs> well, I think she did. And then we had a phone call, which went really well. I instantly loved you. And then we met for lunch at Cracker, Cracker Barrel. I do remember that. <laughs> it was close to the office, and we were renovating and getting it ready to go. And I felt like we hit it off, and it would be a great, uh, a great friendship and a great person to work with. And so I always think back to that kind of initial uh, meeting and conversation. And so I always kind of remember how I met people. So that's how we met, and that was in. Yeah. 2002, right at the beginning of the year. So fast forward now to 2013. We worked to get well. We worked together those two years while my group was open and then have remained friends and still worked together for a little while after that. And then um, you started doing home visits as a home-based DI instead of just a center-based therapist. And you've been uh, with our state federal intervention program in various capacities. You were service coordinator for a little while, right? Yes, I sure was. And, and, then, so, and also again, did that, teach some preschool. Yeah, yeah. So you've got yeah. such a good background. Why don't you, you step in and fill in the gaps since I've just told how we know each other. Tell everybody else about yourself, and you do not have to disclose those deep, dark secrets that your mom likes to tell us. Here's the lot. <laughs> no, not my mom. It's my, it was David, definitely, but that's yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> As soon as I said that, I thought, oh, it's not Debbie. <laughs> oh, well, you know, and, you know, it's just amazing how that all just came together just at the right time for me because I did my very first work experience um, was, was a, as an elementary school teacher, and I did that for several yeah. years. And then um, I had my first child in 2001, and I just and, – and I was – feeling, you know what, I enjoy teaching, but I'm like, I, I was looking for something different. And I also right. um, wanted to be able to be home and have some more flexibility to be able to be home um, with my first child. And so playgroup, that just came in at the right, at the exact right time. And then I also, at that point, just fell in love with early intervention. And I realized, ah, this is what I want to do. Um, I've right. always known I wanted to work with children, but it was like, okay, this is it. And so, um, so it was just great. And then just to be able to work with you, you know, for those two years in that play group, so that I could have that experience was was definitely a so wonderful experience fun. for me. Yeah, yes, I had, think we had so much fun every day. And we were talking. Yeah, and when we and we're going to talk about the therapy tip of the week that we videoed that's up now. If anyone hasn't seen that, we're going to talk about that in its entirety in a few minutes, but we were reminiscing the day that we videoed that about various children that we saw and families and situations, and I have hardly seen you over the last 11 years, so we haven't talked about that or, uh, you know, again, relived one of those memories, and it was just an awesome learning experience with 
all of those kids that we got to see because we had several different groups over two years. And I think, again, that's where I had (laughs) just a crash course in dealing with lots of different kinds of kids and even kids who weren't just each language delayed. So I think it was a great opportunity, and I will always fondly remember that um, couple of years that we had playgroup open. So, but I'm so excited that you're now getting to do my new thing, which is uh, IEI2, and we videoed a great therapy tip of the week last week where you introduced some ways of using stickers. Now, I think when therapists and parents think about stickers, they automatically think about using them as a reward in that you were good at the dentist, so you get a sticker. You didn't have a holy meltdown in the the, uh, doctor's office after you got a shot, so you get a sticker. Or you went potty, so you get a sticker. But a lot of times we don't think about the other things that we can do with stickers. And your tip of the week was, so creative and so right on the money for what I think uh, therapists and parents need to hear and new ideas for stickers. Yeah, I mean, stickers are great. I mean, my two-year-old absolutely loves them. We always have tons. I have a grandmother who sends them in the mail to him all the time. Um, And and so I thought, okay, how can we use these stickers um, to have some learning going on with it? Because let's take something they love and and, and kind of put some learning into it. So so I've always, uh, you know, are able to use stickers in a fun way. Well, I think you did a great job of that. And for... Uh, Those of you who haven't had a chance to see that yet, it's posted in several different places. First of all, excuse me, it's posted on myei2.com. And, again, that's a pretty new website. If you don't know about that yet, let me just take a minute and talk about that. Uh, You know, teachmetotalk.com is my first website. Launched that in 2008. But over the years as I've started to do um, conferences or continuing education events and speaking to audiences, In lots of states, almost half the people that come to hear me talk are not speech pathologists. They're early educators. In our state, in Kentucky, we call them developmental interventionists. In other states, they're called developmental therapists or special instructors or, you know, EI teacher or whatever. And so there's a big audience outside of the field of speech pathology for you know, we have a pretty big reach in that all professionals who work with children with developmental delays um, can benefit from the kinds of things that we talk about to improve interaction and early communication skills. So at the end of last year on one of our, gosh, I guess we were coming back from Ohio or something, Johnny and I were talking, and I said, you know, I think we should start just kind of a, a different website so that it's just going to uh, not just be about speech anymore so that we expand it and we make sure that we're including all developmental domains and giving ideas to all kinds of therapists or parents to have children um, with these kinds of developmental delays and disorders. The other thing that I really wanted um, to be able to do, too, was make people feel like it was more that, that we're covering more than talking, and I didn't feel like I could always do that on a website called Teach Me to Talk. <laughs> so we decided to, again, launch a whole new venture um, and 
and go in that kind of direction. And so my idea was to pull in all of my uh, friends that are new who are colleagues and associates and who are in other fields. And so when Johnny and I are making our wish list of, you know, great DIs and OTs and PTs that we know, of course, your name was first on that list, Kelly. <laughs> and oh. so I was so glad when we had that meeting and you came and we talked about it and that you've gotten your stuff up and going. And, again, that Kelly's Therapy Tip of the Week about stickers is posted on myeit.com, and it's the very lead uh, post on there when you flip over to that website. It's also posted on teachmetotalk.com, or if you're a Facebook addict, it's on Facebook on Teach Me to Talk's page. Also, uh, my EI2 has a new page, and if you have not liked that yet, please um, do that. And then um, I also have Teach Me to Talk uh, has a Twitter account, so I've tweeted it out. So surely people will be able to find it. And Kelly, you have your own Facebook page for your uh, practice, don't you? Yes, it's it's a very small, just started it up, and it's just called Playing is Learning, Kelly Nelson. Um, and I really just started it so that I would be able to share information with um, parents of the children that I'm working with. Um, so I just, I'll like put out a neat activity that I've worked and I've made. I've, someone's tested out on my own child and, <laughs> and can put, put, the, put the pictures up there um, on my Facebook site. Or a lot of times I just link I've, you know, link some of your um, information on there, or if I just come across a good article that I think, oh, parents need to see this, then I will link that on there. It's nothing that's going to be blowing up your news feed with tons and tons of stuff, but I try to put on things on there maybe once or twice a week. Well, and a lot of DIs will contact me and they'll say, do you have other pages that you recommend, or do you have other websites that you could uh, recommend? Because, again, I think that they're they like the stuff that I've done to teach me to talk. They like the show, listen to the show, but I want to be sure that they're uh, reaching further than that, just that communication piece. And so I know that you'll, if you're a, an, in um, doing some instruction developmental therapy, developmental intervention, you'll benefit from liking Kelly's page. And, again, I wanted to give all the places that someone could take a look at your therapy tip of the week. So I think it's really, really cute. I liked it a lot. Um, did I already talk it about the fun. song? Did I already talk about your song, or maybe that was our conversation before? I don't think before. you did. <laughs> Kelly yes, has the cutest song in this therapy tip of the week, and it was so cute when you said that you had to practice singing it so you could be sure you could do it on camera because it's a little nerve-wracking when you have a video camera there and you're singing. Somehow it's different than when you're singing in a child's home or singing with a class of preschoolers. There's just something about, I don't know, I guess it feels more public or more, uh, you're just more out there or something. But the song is really cute, and I posted it uh, when I posted the clip last night when I got it this morning uh, to check my email. Someone had already watched it uh, on our YouTube channel and commented how cute that song was. And I have been singing it in my head. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it is Saturday. What did you say? I said it, it is, can be a little addictive and kind of get stuck in your head like that. Yeah, it's the earworm of the day. And do you know what I didn't do that I meant to do is put the words 
uh, in that post. But I, people will just have to watch the watch it and see it because you had some cute little variations in there. And I don't want to share it here because I want to give people a reason to go listen to that. But the song is worth it. Uh, for hearing, uh, for watching that therapy tip of the week, so you can get that. And I know it's something people are going to be able to use. And again, so catchy, I, I can't can't uh, get it out of my head. So it was it was a great therapy tip of the week, and I was again so proud of you and so excited to share that. I think they're great ideas. All right, you also uh, videoed a great therapy guide on. Um, sensory bottles and that's not posted yet and let me just again refresh our listeners memories for what a therapy guide is i had already i've already talked to you about myei2.com and one of the primary ways that we're sharing information on that website is through a therapy guide now a therapy guide can be anything from a 30 minute video to i have some already on there that are a little bit over an hour and it's just um, let's see, it's, it's kind of like a, a short education event. You are learning a lot of information, you know, in, again, with an online video, and there's a written component, and again, it's usually in that half hour to hour range, so more than a therapy tip of the week, and you're getting those written instructions with the goals and with specific activities and all of those written guides, you can you'll get that as a PDF, and that's a downloadable document. And you'll just be able to download that and print that and share that with the families that you're working with, or if you're mentoring uh, a student or another colleague, you can use that information. So it's not out yet; we're still editing that. But Kelly, tell us about your therapy guide. Well, um, I had seen some information about, I guess it was a blog that had shown some pictures of these sensory bottles that this mom had made. Um, And I thought, well, those are really neat. And then I had been, there was one little guy on my caseload that I had been working with and just having a really hard time with getting him to play with anything. Just um, play skills were definitely one of the challenges for him. And But he loved his mother's water bottles. (laughs) And I thought, Hmm. I just saw that on that blog about using sensory bottles, and he loves his mom's water bottle, so maybe I could do something with this. Um, and then as I started getting into it, and I was looking online, and I really thought, you know, there's lots of really, really good ideas on what to put in these sensory bottles, but no, there weren't really any ideas on what to do with them after you have them made other than just hand them to your kids and let them look at them. And so That's I thought, right. And like on Pinterest, you know, I've seen those. On, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but on Pinterest, I've seen those. But and uh, on lots of those little mommy blogs. But unless you know what to do with them, a lot of parents will spend the time to make them, and then just kind of hand them over to their kid, and not do anything beyond that. And most of the time, it's because they don't know what to do. And the kids that we work with may not have enough play skill to for it to kind of kick in and for them to know how to use something novel. So I, I think it's great that you picked this topic. And, again, I think I've told you this. It is not a topic that I would have ever picked in a million years. So I love that you picked it and that you turned it into something fabulous. 
<laughs> and the therapy guide is so great because it really covers all five developmental domains with with one um, set of materials that you made. Yeah, and they're really they're so easy to make, and which I need quick and easy in my life right now with four little ones of yeah. my own. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, and so it's really easy to throw them together and really personalize them too for the individual child that you have in mind um, when you're when you're making them to really kind of put their things that they're interested in or words that you're working on. You can just really personalize them, which I think is neat. Well, I think you shared so many great ideas and. Uh, fun ideas, and again, it's not just how to make them or what you can put in them. You really explain how to take a sensory bottle and make it work for a motor goal or how to take a sensory bottle and work on cognitive goals. And I love how you broke that down and uh, gave really specific ideas. And again, they're not ideas that... um, you know, and I think you said this on Saturday, and I know I'm not going to offend you when I say it. It's not rocket science, but you have to know how to use it and how to make it fit what a kid mm-hmm. needs rather than just, again, saying we're going to do sensory bottles today without an intentional purpose there. And I think as therapists, it's so great when we can find good ideas from other people and don't have to always sit and really rack our brains with, how could I use this with this kid? And I thought mm-hmm. that you just did some, some really creative uses for that. And, again, I loved that you broke it down in all five developmental domains, which is something we're going to try to do with all our therapy guides moving forward um, at myei2.com so that any discipline um, can use that. You know, any OT or PT can take a look at those. Or when they're like you and you're the jack of all trades, being a developmental mm-hmm. interventionist, you cover all of those um, areas of development. So I, I think those have been good. Tell the story. You started telling the story, and then I interrupted you about the little guy who is this the same little guy that you got such a good response from? Well, no, the first little guy was the one who I said in the therapy guide um, bites holes in water bottles, so I have to make sure that I'm using the ones that that, um, are a little bit thicker so that we don't have holes bitten in them. That was my first little guy. But then I used, I have, you know. You live and learn, don't you? Yeah, you live and learn. definitely. Yeah. But there was another little guy that I was seeing, and I – he uh, is definitely on the spectrum and very, very short attention span and trying to find some things to really engage him and work on eye contact and, and going back and forth and also working on anytime we can get him to imitate some words is great because he's real inconsistent with that. And I pulled out right. the sensory bottle and we were shaking and I got him to say shake um, and it was one that had colored water and um dishwashing soap in it so it makes bubbles when you shake it Uh so we did shake Mm -hmm. and we did bubble and he imitated both of those words and so we were able to go that was kind of a pleasant surprise 
Yes, it was. Especially the, the session before, I had not gotten him to imitate one word. He was, and and I was feeling a little discouraged after that session. Then, yes. then so this next, the next time I saw him, I pulled that out, and uh, we had a really, really good time. And I was very pleased with with the words that he said using those. And he was very interested. He's a very visual kid, so he was able to really look uh, like to see all of that movement in there and the different colors and everything when he shook, which was which was a little bonus for him, I think. I think so, too. Now, how are his play skills? Does he like a lot of other toys? Not a whole lot. He's mostly into just fill and dump type of things. That container play is really what he's into and shape sorters and things like that. So that's about the he we're not doing very much pretend play um, at all. And and so um, that's why I'm thinking I cannot sit and do a shape sorter for a whole hour of recession. So I'm trying to get some other things going here. So the sensory bottles fit that bill for him. That's good. And that is an important thing for kids who don't necessarily, it looks like they don't like a lot of other toys yet, but what's really going on, and I know that you already know this, Kelly, is that their play skills aren't advanced enough for them to, to really know how to use other toys. So mm-hmm. they stop playing and or never really get started and it's really easy to look at a kid like that and think, well, he doesn't like anything when really it's that he doesn't have the skills yet to be able to uh, really play with something or use a toy in the way that it's intended. And so that's, I think sensory bottles can fill a void for those kinds of kids. Now, I don't know that how you could use it a whole hour, but I don't know. Maybe you could just go through all five of those developmental domains like you talk about with <laughs> Yeah, but it certainly. Yeah, and I think. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, and this little guy, he um, a lot of times is not using toys appropriately. When you said that, you know, he's staring at the wheel spinning on the cars, or if you give him a ball, we're trying to play ball back and forth. He wants to spin it and watch it. Like I said, he's a real visual and does some of the visual stimming type things. So trying to trying to get him to play with something appropriately the way is, is one of the big things that I'm working on. And so so and I was like, yeah, hey, we, we shook it and we looked at it and we did what we were supposed to do with it. So I was happy. Well, and for a lot of those kids, really, and I think you say this in the therapy guide, you can pull out something like a sensory bottle when they're about to leave you or when they're getting <laughs> ready to move on and do something else. And it's a way to really capture their attention. And it's not, again, may not be meant to be used for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever, although you gave some great group activities and some different ideas that I think would extend beyond that transition period. But for a lot of, I I can see a lot of kids really using sensory bottles as a transitional activity or a way for us to keep their attention a couple more minutes to help them kind of regroup and re-regulate. I think you gave some calming strategies um, on the therapy guide. And so I think that's a great way to use them and to just have them ready. Um, and, you know, as part of our little uh, trick, you know, one of our, another little trick from the bag that we would pull out and, and use at a time like that. So, I again, I love the therapy guide. I can't wait till it's uh, out and available, and that should be in the next day or two. So uh, we'll be able to I'm share that again. It was fun to do. <laughs> It is kind of fun. And sometimes you look at those short little videos and you think, oh, she just sat right down and just just did that, you know, without thinking about the work that goes behind that. But you were such a natural and you did 
such a good job. And I, again, I just love it. And I'm, I'm falling all over myself with compliments because I, I, I think that you did a great, great job with pulling those ideas together and giving us some, some novel ideas and then, but really practical ways um, to use them because it goes beyond just what to put in a water bottle and give it to a kid. You know, you've got all kinds of ideas and all kinds of therapeutic ways to uh, use them. And I love that you really emphasize being intentional and being purposeful and having a goal in mind when you're using Mm -hmm. them. So I just, I think it's great. And again, that'll be available in a day or two. All right. Um, You're going to stick around, Kelly, and answer this question for me? Are you going to do that for me today? Yeah, sure. Are you you available for that? I know you've still got more visits to do after we're done today. Yep, I still have a half an hour before I need to head in, so I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Today we are going to answer a question from a reader, and she has emailed me before. I don't know if I shared her name before. It's Rebecca, and she's a developmental interventionist, and I think she lives in our state. But she... um, is having some difficulty, and I really like uh, Rebecca's questions when she sends them in because she's just so darn honest with how things are going, and she doesn't really try to sugarcoat. You know, she just, I, I love her because she just kind of puts it out there, and, you know, she's saying, I'm having a really hard time with this kid. She says, I've been seeing him since August. When I first started seeing him, I couldn't get him to do anything. He would just walk around in circles and say, E. And she said he was hooked on TV as well, and she still has to ask mom to turn it off when she's there. She said now that she's worked with him, let's see, she started seeing him in August and then April, so that's, what, about eight months maybe, seven or eight months. And she says now he's showing anticipation for tickling, for ride the horsey, and a few other social games. She says she's heard some other vowel sounds but has never heard a word, so this little guy has no words at all. She says he's also beginning to imitate a few things in play, like building blocks and using the ball and hammer toy, although she says he doesn't like to hold the hammer. She says he can match the colors of the balls with the holes, but she never taught him to do it. He just did it on his own. So we know from this that he's a visual kid, that he's got some, that would be a strength for him. If we were kind of looking at at strengths and weaknesses there, so he He um, pays attention to visual information. She says when she's brought in sensory bins with rice or beans, he shivers all over as he touches it with one finger. So he's got some pretty um, big, I guess I would say, sensory issues going Mm -hmm. on there, Some, some avoidance there with things on his hand. She said, but he does spend a lot of time finding things on the floor, such as crumbs or lint, And then he eats it. She said he's also started eating paper if he finds it. He loves to run outside, but she says that um, there are some, um, let's see, how does she describe it? She said with his home, there are some issues. She said it's not a pleasant one, that he has lots of flies. And she said he's tried to um, eat flies. So, again, he's eating things that are inappropriate. So she has to be really careful about the materials that she uses in therapy. She said she's tried so many toys with him, and he's had no interest, but she said she's gotten confused a little bit because she has introduced to him 
uh, a toy that she saw on one of my therapy tips of the week. It's called Frog in a Box. Do you know that toy, Kelly? Have you seen that? I do. I have it, but I, I, I've broken two of them. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I need to send them back and get another one because I love it. I love it, too, and I'm on my second one, too. It is easy to break, and it's kind of a pricey toy, which kind of makes me mad when it happens. I know. But, yeah. But I think I was being uh, a little too animated when I lifted the top out to get in, in anticipation for the thing to come up. And, and, and so now when I open it, it doesn't pop up. I don't know. I was, it wasn't a child. It was me who broke it. So. Oh, but it no. is a great toy. <laughs> It's a great toy. And she says, this is what she's observed with this little guy. She said, he doesn't notice it popping. He only wants to push the little inside part up and down. And so we'll talk about what that means in a minute. She's just giving us some background there. She said, he also doesn't wave bye-bye, but they've been working on it for a long, long time. He started doing Give Me Five, which she was so happy with. And she said, I just need some direction as where to go next. Signs are not working because he's... She says, I don't think he's ready, and I would totally agree with that, with how she's described him so far. He's not developmentally ready to use signs or words yet. And she said, the progress is slow, so I feel like I need some help. Um, And so she's just asking us what our ideas are. And so, Kelly, when you were here videoing, and I was listening to your therapy tip of the week, and then I was hearing your therapy guide with sensory bottles, I started thinking, Hmm, that reader who sent in that question about that little boy really could use some of Kelly's ideas. And he sounds like the little guys that you've described that you've used sensory bottles with, right? Yeah, definitely. Ones that, you know, can't get them to play with anything. They're just not developmentally ready to play with toys. Then something simple like a sensory bottle um, could grab their attention and you can could work on some things with that, definitely. I think so, too. And I think the novelty, even with your stickers, because it doesn't, the therapy tip of the week advice that you gave, she doesn't say anything about body parts, but my guess would be that this little guy is not responding to when she says, you know, where's your nose, show me your eyes, Mm -hmm. where's your belly. And my guess would also be that he may have a hard time even participating in that kind of little routine and back and forth. So your cute little sticker song would be something that she could use to engage his attention um, in getting Mm -hmm. him to do that early receptive language activity because the novelty of the sticker would probably be good for him since he really likes picking up little things off the floor. Yeah, and got those um, little fine motor skills going. So (laughs) Yeah. And so some of your sticker ideas might be really good. Now, again, when I say this, for anyone who's listening, if you've not watched Kelly's Therapy Tip of the Week, you may think I've lost my mind when I'm saying he might like stickers. But just watch her ideas there yet uh, before you, you know, kind of rule out that idea because you can't, for a kid like that, I mean, he might be engaged a little bit with a sticker just kind of looking at it because he's a kid who likes to pick up little things. But you've got some great ways to work in language and work on skills beyond just an initial visual interest. So I think that Rebecca should certainly watch your therapy tip of the week and and um, integrate that. That might be, would that be something you would try with that little guy? 
Are you using yeah, your little idea? To... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I, I, I really, you know, especially. I don't know. He's definitely on there. Talk about making choices, and I, he's probably not quite ready to make choices yet. But to just draw his attention and point at some of the different stickers and help him. And he probably he might even be able to get the stickers off on his own, which and he might really be interested. That's a real simple thing, to take a sticker off and put it on a piece of paper. So children who don't have real um, developed play skills kind of like those real simple, real concrete activities, like putting a, piece, putting a sticker on the paper. Exactly. And if he's so visual already, if she picked a sticker with something that he really liked, that mm-hmm. might um, hook his attention in because he likes that little, he's got that pincer grasp practice, you know, with picking up those little things on the floor, if she had a variety of things for him to do, um, and to, again, entice his attention, and she could get him to um, do the body part activity with it, and perhaps you're making choices, and certainly I would use your ideas for helping him sequence um, Mm -hmm. the steps, so I think that that would be something Rebecca could use, too. When I'm thinking I was about thinking, ideas, oh. go ahead. No. Go ahead. I was thinking about one of the therapy tips. I think it was a therapy tip that you had had used by taking the little puff balls and putting them in the little containers with the holes cut in the top. Was that a therapy yeah. tip of the week that you did a long time ago? I think you know those what? type of activities. Yeah, those structured teaching activities where they're really simple cognitive components and really simple fine motor components. And, again, some kids who don't sit or attend to or play with toys for whatever reason, it's just we know that their skills aren't quite there yet, and it could be a fine motor problem or an attention problem or a cognitive problem or usually all of the above. Mm-hmm. really like those little structured teaching things. So that would be an idea for her to do, too, is to go back and watch some of those videos. The very first therapy tip, tip of the week that I did uh, in January of 2012, so if you're flipping through those um, at myei2.com, go all the way back to the beginning to find, I think I only did one in January of last year, and you can watch that and get some ideas for putting together those kinds of really simple activities. You could, She said he already color matches, so she could take a clear container and get those colored, excuse me, colored popsicle sticks if she... Um, and, and expand that so he could do the little colored balls in one container and then um, use the popsicle stick uh, idea for another container. And, that, again, those little activities like that, because they're so simple, you really do help a kid develop that um, staying ability and just mm-hmm. staying with you and completing an activity and really working on attention span versus using a toy that's too complicated because they don't understand it, they don't have the fine motor skills to be able to do it, they're overwhelmed with all the language that you're using during that activity, so they have a tendency to just shut down and want to get the heck out of there. But when we make those activities really, really simple, they learn how to stay with you and pay attention and stick it out. You know, to first they might get five pom-poms in on the first day. I've had some kids that have not sat for very long at all that I want to sit and do like 25 popsicle sticks, and I'm always yeah. shocked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. When that happens. Yeah. So yeah. Those at are the same. Ideas. 
Yeah, and that's kind of like the kids who will do the shape sorter sometimes with me over and over and over again. <laughs> and and they, they usually like those type of activities, just putting things in. And that's just kind of the stage of play that they're in right now. So that's what they can actually sit and attend to. Yeah, and a lot of times with those kids, I think one valuable piece of advice that I give to parents during that time is don't overwhelm them by trying to get them to do too much too soon and don't overwhelm them with too much talking while you're doing it. Because sometimes I think, gosh, you know, if I had just been a little more quiet and a little more supportive, and by that I mean that, you know, if I can't get the popsicle stick in or the pump in, maybe I could turn the container a little bit or stabilize the container so that they could get, you know, whatever the object is they're trying to get in the hole and offer support that way rather than being too wordy or, you know, too um, – sometimes we're – we get we, we want to help a kid so much, but we give too many verbal cues. We're going, you know, stick it in, put it in, come on, you can get it, put it in, right there, right there, get it in, get it in, come on, come on. And a lot of times those kids really shut down in the middle of that activity because we've overwhelmed them with too much speech. Kelly, you're, you're, um, have a personality like me, you know, really, uh, a get up and go kind of girl and you're real fun and, uh, exciting. Have you found that with kids sometimes that you're overwhelming them a little bit? And you have to pull it back. Sometimes. And, you know, and what I've usually done, like, with those is just focus on one word, like, please. You know, and that's all I say every time I give them one please and let them put it in. <laughs> please, right. and just repeat, repeating that over and, and and over again. And then, so, and, and there have been times that I've been able to get them after you know me saying it twenty five times, and then they eventually yeah. get a little bit of imitation um, with the sign or or with the word, and just you know making it making it really really simple, one little word. Exactly. And for a kid like that, he may not do anything. He may not even acknowledge that she's modeling a word. A lot of times with those kids, I'm saying in or a requesting word, like you just said, this please, more or something else where I'm just giving them that one little cue over and over and over. Um, and he may not even act like he's processed that, and that's okay. You know, you may not hear that word back for a long time or get that sign for a kid like this, your first goal would just be getting him to stay with you and do what he's supposed to do uh, and not get up and run away and try to try to leave so she could remember that and then work toward using the sign or the word over time. Other ideas that I came up with for her, I love that she's doing some social games with him, and I would keep... Um, expanding on that by working to have him do his part. So she said he likes ride a little horsey. So what I would do when they're playing that, if she plays it like I do, where you're sitting on the floor and you put a kid on your legs and you play, you know, ride a little horsey to town, watch out, whatever his name is, Brandon, don't fall down. And after you've let him fall through your the floor and tickle them and you know after he's played this and you know that he likes it what I try to do then is hold my hands back a little bit either just kind of put them in my lap or even hold them maybe on my chest so that he can still see them but I'm not really reaching out to start the game again I, I kind of hold my hands there to see if he'll do that 
and that that would be a real indicator that he's learning the game and he's learning how to do his part. So with her games that she's doing with him that he already likes, I would really advise her to step it up just a little bit so that she can figure out what would be the next little part that he should do. Mm-hmm. And so he's um, kind of anticipating. And then she said that he's kind of anticipating the tickle game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So choosing that and trying to get him those same things in those other social games that she's playing. Yeah. And other ones that kids like this like, I would do Ring Around the Rosies with him. And I always play where I say, ready, set, go. So you're doing that verbal routine in, and then, you know, you're going to do your ring around the rosies, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes. We all fall. And then she might wait to see it after he's learned the game, after it's not new anymore. She's waiting to see if he'll fall down on his own or pop the word out. A lot of kids, you know that they've learned the game because as soon as you start it, you're on ring around the rosies, pocket full of posies, and they're already falling. Uh-huh. <laughs> and no to and wait. I think it's, yeah, and you have to. Sometimes you have to do it over and over and over and over again. You think, you know, you, I, sometimes I'm like, I just don't know if they're getting this. And then after that, just mass practice over and over. When they finally learn the routine, then you start seeing, oh yay, they're doing it. Yeah, they're figuring this out. Yeah, he's falling down. And a lot of times I'll have um, a mom that will get upset and she'll say, she's falling down way too soon. And I'll say, that's okay, because she tells us she remembers the game. She remembers that the end result is her being on the floor. And so don't get upset about that. Sometimes I'll just kind of drag a kid around while they're still halfway going down you know, and and still giving them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm thinking at least she's learned the game and that she knows she needs to fall. And then after you've played that several times, you might – I always get kids to pull me back up to play again. I don't ever really just kind of stand back up. I make a big deal about saying up, up, one up, need up. So that could be his part of the game is pulling you up. And lots of those little guys like to – lead their moms and they're already used to kind of taking that big hand and getting it to do what they want it to do so that's kind of Mm -hmm. a natural extension of that help having him help pull you up off the floor to start another round of that and the whole ready set go again you start with that whole little routine again and having him reach for your hands and always um, on the ready set go part you know make it a big deal about bending my legs you know and saying ready you know, and then standing up and then bending my legs again and saying, set, and I'll see a kid, you know, long before they can say, ready, set, go, they they start the game by, you know, hunching down a little bit. And I think, gosh, he remembered. And that's really, you know, a whole body imitation and a whole a oh, gesture that they learned. Yeah. I need, so I to, I need to add that. I need to add that to my ready, set, go. That's a great idea. <laughs> I think it's really cute because it's not too hard Sometimes you can do things with your hands that are kind of a ready, set, go. And that's cute. But a lot of our little guys aren't there yet. And that whole body kind of hunching down on ready, set, go. They they like that a lot. So I, I think that's a good way to play. And it also kind of builds that whole weight piece in before you start. And how many of our little friends need help with that? You know, yes. especially the ones that are falling down, you know, before they're supposed to on that song. So I think that's a good way. Another song I would do with him is the, 
I think when we did this in, in playgroup, Kelly, I don't know if I called it the walking, walking song, because since then I do marching, marching, and I think Kate is who kind of helped me evolve with that. Uh, do you remember the walking, walking song? Yeah, and actually, that I had written that down. I, when we, I had read her question, and I had written down some ideas, and that walking, walking was on the list. <laughs> yeah, and that just... Yeah, in daycares, I don't think they really like you to to if you're seeing a child that in a daycare center to teach them to run, run, to running, running, running part of it, and I put the marching in that part. So we do walking, hopping, and marching. <laughs> That's a good idea. Well, I've changed my walking to marching because and, mm-hmm. and see that just proves you don't really have to do these ideas word for word. You can make them your own. You may be able listeners may be able to take these and make it way cuter or more effective for a kid they're seeing just by knowing what the kid likes or kind of the like you with your daycare situation, the rules constraint. Nobody wants them running, although I think running is fun and a lot of kids like it. Yeah. But here's that song. Do you want to sing it, Kelly, or do you want me to sing it? Oh, you go right ahead. You sing your version now. <laughs> okay. I think marching, 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 hop, hop, hop. I'm off tune. Hop, hop, hop. Running, 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 running. Now we stop. And so what's that? I can't even think of what that tune is. Oh, it's, uh, what is the tune of that? Uh, it's I don't know. I just know it is. Yeah, I think it is prayer shock, yeah, maybe. And I'm probably butchering that French. But anyway, that, those are the words. And I like to do the marching, marching part at the beginning. But Kelly says she does walking, 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 hop, 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 marching, 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 marching. Now we stop. And so the point is to get the kid to do it. Now, I usually do it in my office that I have now. There's a, uh, a lot of times we'll, I'll have a table in the treatment room or if I'm at a kid's home I like to use the song going around the coffee table uh, or the dining room table because it gives kind of a boundary that we're going to stay here and this is where we're playing and this is how we're playing you know if you were playing at a daycare how do you do it at a daycare Kelly are you just doing it in a circle or do you try to usually yeah usually in the circle if I was yeah just because usually they have the carpets kind of where they do circle time and that's or or if they have a gym gym if I happen to be in the gym area with them or when they're going to be having their gross motor play then then I will always pull that song out because it is always a hit and I've had daycare teachers tell me that their kids are asking for it even when I'm not there and so they they're singing it (laughs) in between sessions yeah because the carryover yeah yeah, it's a good one, and it's in Teach Me to Play With You. If anybody has that book and you um, have access to that, the words are right there. But it's a good one, and kids who are runners like it. It's a song that if I have a kid that I know needs a lot of movement, we might try to play with a toy, and then when he gets up and tries to run away, I'll jump up and start that song with him. And that would be an important thing for Rebecca to remember and for anybody listening that you have, you're working with a kid like this, if you can get in the habit of doing a move, sit, move, sit, move, sit kind of plan so that you're sitting for a little while, but then you are getting up and purposely planning to move as part of the therapy, not that you're just letting him run wild and then you try to spend a lot of time saying, come back, sit down, listen to me. You can incorporate these little ideas 
and you're using that social game as the moving part of the session so that it's still therapeutic and you're still working with him, but he's still getting that input that he needs so that he can calm himself down. So that's the good And I always I hold their hand at first. Me I too. always hold their hand to kind of and, to, and really exaggerate my movements and then to try to get them to stop too when we say stop. So that they're yeah. it's still simple, but there are there is some there there's a little routine for them to learn how to to follow. Exactly. When I do stop, I make it really abrupt and you know like a big you know big deal, like I'm shaking my body and then you know like a statue. And I slap my hands on my legs on stop. Do you still do it that way? Yes. 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 On stop. Yeah. And if you can get a parent to play along with you or a daycare teacher or wherever and have an adult that's another adult that's modeling that song, that's real fun too. And moms love it when their mom or dad or their brothers and sisters, whoever happen to be there in therapy with you, join into that and you're all doing that together. Um, and moms tell me too that they use that song all the time. And I love that your daycare teachers have told you that, Kelly, that, that, that that's become a standard in their classrooms um, using that. But the kids have initiated that and have remembered that song. So that's a good yeah. one. The other little social games that I would recommend, since he's already doing Give Me Five, I would do pat a cake where you're patting both of his hands and see if you can get him to do that. And I would just make that as a natural extension of, you know, give me five, give me five, give me five. And then I would grab his other little hand and instead of him clapping his hands for patty cake, see if he'll do patty cake while he, you know, puts both of his hands up to yours. I've had some give me five kids transition to patty cake that way. And, again, it's something you know that he can already do and he's already with you. And so I think that that would be something I would try to expand on um, and link another game there. Um, other things with the toys and again, the premise here is you you take what he already likes to do and just add one more little step to it. So since he's already building with blocks, I would try to get him to, uh, I bet he already knocks them down. So if he knocks them down with his hand, she might have him uh, try to blow the blocks down or in some other way see if he can knock them down. I can't play with the blocks with, with a kid that's trouble without seeing if he can bang them together. So she could try to get him to imitate that. And that could be something else she could do with that ball and hammer toy, too. Take those two balls and bang them together and see if he'll do that with her. Other things you could do with blocks, you might even have him do some kind of a precursor to bowling with the blocks. See if he'll take a ball and roll it toward the stack of blocks that he's um when he's already stacked the towel to see. And, again, this is just that he'll extend his play and do one more thing uh, with mm-hmm. something that he already likes to do. So those are things that I would do. Do you have any other routines with blocks that you think might be fun for her to try? Unless, you know, sometimes get throwing them into, like, have a little, I yeah. have a little set of graduated buckets. So I'll get the largest one on there out there and throwing them in and then dumping them out, kind of taking that, you know, still that fill and dump type of container play, yeah. early early play is doing that. So you can throw them in there. Um, and and um, and then I'm always, whenever I'm stacking blocks, I always do that little, just that routine up, 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 and that real anticipation yeah. type voice. Yeah. And then a big boom yeah. when we I knock them down. So. 
and I would really, if she's not using a verbal reading with that already, I would get that going. Uh, because with a lot of these little guides, you may start to hear those little words bef- and that be your first inkling that they're going to start to be verbal for you is with those verbal routines. So I, I think that's a great idea. Other things I would look for with him are toys with the that visual component. And because he needs to move, she didn't talk about bubbles or balloons, but I hope that she's already kind of done some things with those. But if she hasn't tried those, um, I can almost get any kid to play with balloons or bubbles with me. And you've got to yep. be fun, though. You've got to get up and do it yourself. You can't just sit there on the floor like a lump and expect for a kid to think that's exciting. So you've got to you know, mm-hmm. get up or be real fun. And the other thing I would do is she didn't really talk about the mom. I wonder how involved the mom is, but I would try to get mom involved, not just watching, but really playing with them together. Now, for some kids, that kind of backfires. And sometimes they don't pay attention to you at all if mom is really involved. But for a kid like that, I would try to bring mom into that play. You would try that too, right? Yeah, definitely. And leaving, you know, suggestions. Okay, he did. He loved this this week. This this is what he loved today. So go ahead, try this every day. Try it every day and see if you can get him to repeat. Because he, you know, I just explained they need this practice. Do it over and over again. So um, to see if you can really encourage the parent to try to find times, you know, during the day that they can repeat whatever was a success in a therapy session throughout the week. Exactly, and just exposure for kids like this. Sometimes, again, it looks like they don't like a certain game or a routine or a toy, but it's just they don't know what to do with it yet. So you have to really reintroduce it and be really patient as you're modeling what to do in play. You still keep your voice really fine, and you're not overwhelming them with too much language, but you give them opportunities to really learn what to do. Uh, when you're popping bubbles or stacking blocks or playing with balloons or anything like that. Um, the last thing that I wanted to recommend that she do, because we're almost out of time, is with that frog-in-a-box toy, I've had really good luck not using the frog for some kids. Some kids like the frog and think that's funny. Uh, but I've put some other things in there. I have another uh, a little guy right now that I'm working with who's old. He's five. And I think I talked about him on the show a couple of weeks ago and, he has cerebral palsy and he's had a stroke and I mean my goodness he just has a huge complicated medical history and so but his developmental level is back down here at about the 12 month level maybe you know if we were really um, being super positive and he doesn't like the frog in that toy but he is crazy about SpongeBob so I got a SpongeBob little beanie baby kind of character and he'll play with the toy now because he likes Bob. So mm-hmm. maybe changing what the thing will make that more exciting for him. So she mm-hmm. might try that. What I what I really think is going on with this little boy, and I, I've said this before on the show, he gets on cause and effect. He only gets cause. He doesn't really get effect. So he's not really mm-hmm. knowing to look for that second part yet. So she's going to have to really make that super obvious and super exciting so that he's um, paying attention to what happens after that initial little movement. But I think she's got some nice things going on. I love that she's she's seeing progress, even though it's slow. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so maybe those are some other ideas that, that she can do with him. And so, Rebecca, I hope that helped answer your questions. I have some other things for you that I'm going to email to you since we didn't get finished or uh, with all the suggestions and stuff, but I'm going to give her those in the email. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. And well, thank I'm so you so excited much for having your- me. You've listened to the show before, so is it different to listen to it and do it? It is. It's it's kind of an odd thing. I'm thinking I'm, I'm usually driving around the city in between visits and listening, and now I'm sitting and talking. It it is it, it's kind of different, but it's well, you were a you were a wonderful guest, and I hope that you'll come back when you have your next therapy guide. And again, check out Kelly's therapy guide this week. It's going to be up, and it's on Century Bottles, and it's fabulous. Thanks so much, Kelly. Thanks. Bye bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.